This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiansen. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. This is the Podium Finish Live, episode number 42. We are back on the airways once again, and I'm your host, Rob Tiansen. I can't thank you all enough for joining us for this edition of TPF Live. It's good to be back, and I'll explain why we were not on the air last week in just a moment. But as always, I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Nathan Solomon, who's pretty jazzed up about this episode because this weekend marks his next and last race of 2022. But they save the best for last, as they say in our industry, because it's going to be the Watkins Glen International Race this weekend. So super cool for Nathan to cover a very prestigious road course race, not just because of the road course itself, but those participating in it. So we'll get to that actually here in a little while during Podium Perspectives. But today we have a really special guest in the hot seat, and he is probably the king of the road in road courses in the Xfinity series. That would be none other than AJ Almendinger of College Racing. So we're really thrilled to have him on again. And it's a super long interview, so if you're watching Law & Order right now, uh, pause that DVR or pause your Peacock uh, streaming view and just get your popcorn and water ready or soda and Popeye's chicken like me. And we're going to listen to AJ Allmendinger talk to me later on. Uh, it's pretty entertaining to say the least as he was talking to me while driving in the New Hampshire Motor Speedway last month. So uh, you need to know what it's like to be behind the scenes, if you will when you hear the hot seat segment for today. Before I introduce Nathan, I do want to dedicate this podcast and everything else on TPF for the year to my late uncle, um, Perfecto Perry Francisco. That's the reason why I was out of the out of commission, if you will, last week, because I, you know, my uncle passed away on Sunday evening of Michigan race weekend. You know, certainly my prayers and condolences to our family right now, still um, just trying to ease myself back into the swing of things and Hope you fans at home understand why we weren't on the air last week. We definitely miss being on, but, uh, you know, as I always tell my my team at the Podium Finish, family first, and uh, certainly it's very important to me to have uh, family around. So just wanted to dedicate that the show to my Uncle Perry and our family as well. But uh, before we get rolling along, let's bring in Nathan right now, because I know he, is, we're recording some Thursday night, folks. This is going to be rolling out on Friday. So Nathan, I know you just came from the racetrack and uh, got to see a little bit of the racetrack. I don't want to say what you saw just quite yet, but uh, how are you doing and how excited are you to be at the Go Bowling, Bowling at the Watkins Glen race weekend? That is hard for me to say twice over, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. It's good. Of course, good to be back. A uh, couple, couple week break, um, as you had mentioned. Uh, but obviously, like I said, good to be back. My home race this weekend, which is really exciting. Um, I'm, I'm just excited for that. Just like all the other storylines, because obviously, like growing up, obviously this, this this week would be a really big deal. Like you know, j- just in like the city of uh, you know. Well, I'm I'm more from Ithaca, but like it'd always be a big deal there. And then of course the village of Watkins Glen and everything. So uh it, I don't know, it, it's just a big deal. Um, because I live in the middle of nowhere. But uh now to be able to be covering the sport and now covering my second uh cup series race at Watkins Glen, my third race uh overall at Watkins Glen is really cool. Uh like you mentioned, Thursday the day of the recording, I was just up at the track for an event. Um, but tomorrow, Friday, is when the real action on the track starts with some Arkham Menard series racing. Um, 
if if you know you know uh our, our good friend casey campbell but um three car races this weekend but uh, and then of course Xfinity saturday a loaded xfinity series race with some uh some, some cup regulars coming down uh, and then the uh cup the go bowling at the Glen cup series race on sunday with uh drivers from seven different countries which is pretty crazy so uh, jam-packed weekend i'm excited to uh to be covering it yeah, we're excited to have you there, and we're equally excited to have Sam Drace again. Uh, seems like you two are tag-teaming it up. You're like the Simon and Garfunkel of the TPF team. Uh, if that reference went over your head, um, that really goes to show the generational gap we have on this show. But hey, we're we're no different than uh, Briscoe and Green, or Briscoe and Logan, or Briscoe and Benjamin Bratt's character. Um, that I can't remember right now. Yes, I'm making Law & Order references, but either way, we're a good tag team, and just as much, you guys are going to be a great tag team this weekend at Watkins Glen. And let's not forget, too, that we have Eric Parks, who's going to be covering the IndyCar race this Saturday night at the Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway in Madison, Illinois. So lots to go on there. And also wanted to give a big shout-out, too, to uh, Pato Award and his PR rep, um, Morgan Theus. She did a great job making that story happen. I know you folks got to hear the podcast version of the interview, but uh, it was really cool to run that feature at last. That was actually my grad school project. So the Q&A version that you typically like to see on the website, folks, that will be coming along before much longer. I would anticipate getting that out there within the next week or two as I'm kind of catching up on content. So we have a lot to get to right now. But before we get to putting perspectives, I would like to introduce our new Diecast store partner. Uh, so you heard in the past how we've had like a little discount with another store. But this time around, we're proud to announce that we are partnering with SpoilerDiecast.com. It's a good old small but authorized Lionel dealer that's based out of Indiana. And they're going to be our partners for the foreseeable future. So if you use promo code TPF, not TPF 2022, just regular TPF, and you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items shipping at the same time, you will get 10% off your order and automatically you get free shipping off their website. Pretty cool, huh? So go to spoilerdiecast.com and you'll be spoiling yourself to Victory Lane by getting yourself some great deals on diecast cars. Uh, just tell that spoiler diecast team that we sent you over. And I can tell you, I shopped over there and I'm uh, showing off my little diecast car that I got from them. So they ship pretty quick. Before you know it, it's delivered to your front door. Man, it's, it can get easier than that. So pretty soon I, I will have a YouTube version of the show and uh, you folks can see the TPS studios with my diecast cars in this room, like a badge of honor or like NASCAR Race Hub when they actually had a studio. So spoilerlediecast.com for the latest and greatest in NASCAR collectibles. Now let's roll along right now to Podium Perspectives. It's been a while, of course, since we've been doing our podcast. So we're going to go and recap you know, the Richmond race in a bit. But first of all, let's actually talk about the most recent contract extension. And I know Bubba Wallace had his contract extension with 2311 Racing. That's no surprise. But I guess to some folks, it may be a little bit of a surprise, not so much to me and Nathan and the good racing fans out there, but to some folks that Ryan Blaney 
has been, had his contract extended with Team Penske. A lot of folks, for some reason, thought he'd be leaving Team Penske, citing his irritability on the radio with his teammates. But uh, as some folks have noticed, you don't always have to be best friends with each other to work well within the same team. So Ryan Blaney is clearly going to be Mr. Franchise over Team Penske for quite some time. Nathan, I know that we've been monitoring the situation a little bit with your Silly Season uh, piece that you've done um, earlier this year. I kind of think we talked about this before all of the craziness happened last month with Tyler Reddick and company. But uh, do you think this is a great move for Ryan Blaney to have some stability in his career and also for Team Penske to say, you know what, we know Logano's a team leader, but Blaney is going to be our guy for the future. Oh, for sure. I mean, you see, you know, I, I think you kind of look at next year as, as a big example. A lot of a lot of different drivers are their contracts end after next year. So I, th I think to have uh, a long term future, um, I, I think that that's really, really good for him, really good for Team Penske. Uh, especially when you think like you know, a couple of years from now, we're gonna have a new TV deal and that could really change the financial structure of the sport um, to have that to have that contract at least into the new TV deal. That, that's obviously huge there. Um, you know, I, and I think just when you look at even just like the U.S. economy as, as a whole, you know, it, it, it fluctuates so much. Even just the last couple of years, it's fluctuated so much as well. Um, you know, you, like a, a driver like that, you, can, you know, he like he knows what he's getting. He, he, I guess he has like a better idea of um, of getting what he wants now, you know, and not and not worrying about having to haggle every couple of years. So um, really good move by him. Obviously, he's a super competitive driver. Um, he's been very consistent this year. Obviously, he's not made it to the, to, to victory lane yet, but uh, certainly uh, he has 12 more races to do so. Um, still trying to fight into the playoffs, but uh, see what happens here. It's kind of absurd to think that he's what been the second best driver uh, in the regular series standings, but yet we're talking about him potentially being knocked out of the playoffs, especially if we have a new winner, um, you know, in the next two weeks, which, hey, you never know because it actually kind of segues to our next topic here very shortly. But uh, Kevin Harvick has certainly shaken things up. Before we get to him, of course, Ryan Blaney, you know, he has been so impressive uh, in terms of consistency. He has showcased what he can do behind the wheel with Jonathan Hassler as his crew chief. Certainly we're going to hear from him in a future episode of TPF live, but I think it's great to get that out of the way and kind of dismisses some of the, some of the gossip online that, oh, because Austin Cindric wronged him at Daytona that he's like, oh, I'm going to be bolting out of team Penske and going to like RCR or, or Hendrick. But uh, I think this is a good move for him as well. And I think it certainly helps him focus more for the future. But let's actually talk about a certain spoiler, if you will. He has a little bit of a pun right there for a spoiler diecast. But uh, Kevin Harvick kind of has been spoiling the parade the last two weeks. I mean, I don't think many of us had him on our bingo card to win at Michigan. He does that. Then at Richmond, doesn't you know? Doesn't seem like the guy you would think of as a prime contender. Uh, and honestly, I don't think he's won there in quite some time. Boom! He comes out of nowhere. He wins that race. And really, I think a lot of folks now, and I think it's kind of like a trendy thing to do, that if someone goes on a winning streak, we all of a sudden think, oh, they're a title contender. But uh, we, we know the Chase Elliott, we know the Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, and yeah, you can even argue that uh, Team Penske, they're probably the title contenders ahead of Kevin Harvick. But uh, Nathan, let me ask you this. If you are doing fantasy sports or just kind of prognosticating for the playoffs, because we're going to get to that point soon, 
where we might have our little playoff chart and all. Do you think Kevin Harvick and his number four team are a good discount store title pick? I think it's a little too soon to say title pick. I mean, you know, we're just talking about two wins in eight days. Like, I don't think that, that that's not showing any sustained success uh, over a little bit of a longer period of time. Now I know that he has had some more speed in the second half of the season. That's that's without a doubt. Um, up until Michigan, he hasn't put those results together, though. So um, I, I think give him another five or six weeks, at least give him through the round of round of 16 of the playoffs. I think after that point, we'll start to get a really good idea of if he's a title contender or not. I mean, Right now, I think he, um, I'd say he's probably a round of eight, certainly a round of eight contender, um, especially if he keeps up, you know, some of his current results. Um, like I know next two races are not, probably not his most favorable tracks. I know Watkins Glen is probably, he's not really a, a road racer, um, not really a plate racer either. So um, I, I'm, if, if he just finish those races, probably that'll be, he'll, he'll be pretty happy with that. And then just look look towards Darlington. Um, the, those three tracks there: Darlington, um, Kansas, and I'm missing one more in there. Um, one, I don't know what which one I'm missing, which is not good. But um, I'll, I'll, I know all three of those tracks in, in the um, in the round of sixteen are, are are very are super racy race tracks. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure that those are, those are the types of tracks he, he really thrives in. So I think if he runs really well in, in those first three races of the round of 16, um, we'll get a really good idea if, if he's a championship con- contender or not. But, um, right now, to be fair, I think we only have one surefire championship, true championship contender right now. And that's Chase Elliott. I mean, he only, uh, he has an, like a hundred something point lead, uh, in, in the regular season points. I think he only needs four points or something on Sunday to, to clinch the regular season title. So uh, with, with his four victories, he's obviously in a really good posi- position, but everyone else, it, it, it's still up for grabs. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Harvick, he could become a championship ca- contender, but it's just, it's just simply too too soon to tell just, just with, with when he's peaked for the season. And not to mention the fact that a lot of drivers have won two races this year. I mean, you've got Ross Chastain, you've got Joey Logano, William Byron, among those who've got those two wins, of course, you know, Danny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick as well. It's a crowded house amongst those who are chasing Chase Elliott. And then, of course, you have a bunch of one winner, one winning drivers, if you will, um, in the playoff standings. So, you know, Chase Elliott has clearly shown he's been the class of the field. Uh, you know, crew chief uh, Alan Gustafson and him, they figured out something about this next gen car that works so perfectly for them. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick. He's one of the tracks that are not exactly indicative of tracks in the playoffs. I mean, we don't have a two-mile unrestricted racetrack in the uh, on, in the playoffs docket. And in terms of short tracks, yes, we got Richmond. I mean, Richmond not out of the way. We got Martinsville late in the way uh, playoffs, but he's not been that great at Martinsville. And Bristol, kind of remember back to when Elliot and him got together in last year's uh, Bristol night race, which I'm sure a lot of Bristol promotions are going to be about that little feud that they had towards the end of that race. So certainly so much up at stake for them. Um, you know, like you said, if they survive the next two weeks, then they're heading to some tracks that are really good at, you know, Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, those are three tracks that I, that he, uh, you know, almost won at all of them in 2020 during that magical season that he probably should have won the title in and choked the title away at um, Martinsville in that cutoff race. But that's another topic for another day. Um, let's actually look at the playoff settings before we get to our next topic here. So, of course, projected playoff settings are looking like this. 
You got Chase Elliott with his four victories, 882 points. And then we're going to head to these two winners, if you will. Ross Chastain leads the way with that with 739 points. Then Joey Logano at 718. Kevin Harvick at 665. William Byron at 649. Danny Hamlin at 574. And then Tyler Reddick at 563. Reddick kind of has been slumming a little bit since his victory at Indianapolis. And then the one winners are led by Kyle Larson at 745. Christopher Bell at 703. Kyle Busch whose future is still kind of shrouded in confusion and, well, not so much confusion on his end, but confusion for those outside of his circles at 663. Alex Bowman at 592. Daniel Suarez at 574. Chase Briscoe at 549. Austin Centric at 556. And the still sidelined Kurt Busch at 485. And all of us at TPF are still hoping and Wishing for the best with, uh, with Kurt Busch after that crash during qualifying at Pocono. As you folks may know, he is not going to be racing this weekend at Watkins Glen, nor will he be starting at Daytona. Um, he's hoping to come back at Daytona, still experiencing the situation with his concussion symptoms. So certainly hoping that he'll be back here very shortly uh, at Darlington. And then the 16th and final transfer spot into the playoffs, Ryan Blaney, 766 points. That would be good enough for second in the regular season, but he's only 26 points ahead of a winless Martin Truex Jr. Kind of dangerous when you realize how good Truex is at road courses. Although this year, he would be the first to tell you how it's been a, kind of been a quagmire for him and James Small. But let's move on to our next topic here. And it's a pretty cool one because Sam Hunt Racing all season long has been doing some pretty cool stuff in the Xfinity series. But next weekend, next Friday night's Xfinity race certainly will top the cake for them because they're going to have the need to checks driving the number 24 and number 26 Toyota Super entries. John Hunter Nemechek and Joe Nemechek will be racing together as teammates. And uh, based on their little conference on Wednesday in the Microsoft Teams meetings, Let's just say that the father and son are quite competitive with each other, but if they were to be in position to help the other win the race, if they were running one, two, well, it would be one of the most magical moments at Daytona in terms of father and son since 1988, when Alice in Wonderland happened, when uh, Bobby Allison led his son Davey to the start finish line and win with the win in 1988 in the Daytona 500. Now, Joe Nemechek, of course, he's not really racing NASCAR in quite some time. And I believe he's been doing some Trans Am racing. And his son, John Hunter Nemechek, of course, has been a pretty solid, consistent truck contender. Although this season has been kind of a, it's been like Kyle Larson's in a bit, in a way. You know, you have the one victory, but you're like, oh, what's going on elsewhere? But they're both title contenders in their own rights. But anyways, the Nemechek's pairing up at Daytona. Joe, of course, has got his victories at Daytona. John Hunter Nemechek still searching for his first Daytona victory of any kind. You know, Nathan, when this news came out on Wednesday of this week, how cool was that to see? Because I know Sam Hunter, Sam Hunt Racing has been doing some pretty cool stuff all season long. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty neat to be able to see them, uh, to be able to see them race together, especially uh, at, at a place like Daytona, like you mentioned, Joe Nemechek. He's um, he's won there in the Xfinity Series, um, or he's Xfinity Series champion. Um, so. Really cool to see them together. Obviously, uh, you know, like you mentioned, John Hunter Nemechek, um, been been in the mix for uh, for Truck Series Championship last year. Now another one this year. Um, I'm sure is also looking to to work his way up. 
uh, and, and potentially be a full-time Xfinity Series driver next year. So, I mean, he's done a couple of Sam Hunt races this year. He's done a couple of JGR Xfinity races this year. I mean, these are all all our these are all auditions for him. Uh, for Joe Nemechek, it's obviously a little bit more of a fun race just to be able to um, you know race one more time, race with your son. Obviously, though, uh, it'll it'll mean a lot more for John Hunter Nemechek if he's able to go out and and score a victory or, or post a really good result. So. Definitely uh, another story to be keeping an eye on next weekend. Um, going to be uh, another crazy weekend down there in Daytona. Just, uh, of course, uh, the regular season finale for Cup, which there's so many scenarios that could happen. Some of those will get uh, narrowed out a little bit this weekend at Watkins Glen and then Xfinity. They're they're making their playoff push here soon. So uh, the the last race of their regular season, just over a little bit of a little over a month now uh, at, at Bristol. And uh, a couple new winners there in the Xfinity series could, could shake some stuff up, too. So um Daytona is certainly a, a candidate for a place to get a new winner uh obviously John Hunter's not earning any points so win wouldn't really do any good in terms of the standings but um there's certainly some some other names that could go out there and uh and win the race and kind of turn that playoff bracket upside down too oh yeah for sure it's it's still kind of absurd that the truck series doesn't have their next playoff race until a while's away I mean I think it's September 11th weekend like you said but on the Xfinity side of things, of course, they there's plenty of opportunities for things to shake up. Although, you know, when it comes to Watkins Glen and beyond, we know AJ Allmendinger and Ty Gibbs have to be the first two names that comes to mind. But um, it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, Joni Michek, of course, won the 1992 Xfinity Series Championship. Um, but obviously, with his racing days and stock cars, it is winding down, you know, admittedly. And his son, John Hunter is hopefully looking for his way to be in one of the top three series in terms of like a cup opportunity situation. So a good run of victory or good, you know, good showing in this Xfinity race and, and good equipment could certainly go a long ways to say the least where Joe can hopefully have a, another magical moment to have um, at that track. And maybe his mom will be jumping up and down like you'll have seen in the past. It's always cool to see um, Joe's mother being so, so happy whenever her son's up there and contending for victories. So it's going to be fun next weekend, Daytona, the regular season cutoff race for Cup and for Xfinity. It's just another chance to be in the playoffs or add to those playoff points. So we'll see what happens then and there. But we're going to move on to our last topic here as we're rolling along quite swiftly, I might say. And it's typically the time that we preview and pick our winners in these weekend's races. Now, I'll start off at Gateway, of course, because it's kind of the outlier race. That would be the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Speedway at Gateway in Madison, Illinois. It's a super fun racetrack that we raced at earlier this year. Of course, in the Cup Series during June that Joey Logano won at this time around, of course. It's the IndyCar series, their last oval race of the entire season, because their final two races, of course, will be contested at Portland International Raceway in Oregon, and of course, at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca in Salinas, California. In terms of Gateway, of course, last year was last year's race rather was won by Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden, who seems to find his way into the championship hunt. Of course, with this race, this track is of course at in Madison, Illinois, the racetrack itself is pretty short. It's only 1.25 miles in length, four corners with turn one and two, banked at 11 degrees, and turns three and four, banked at nine degrees. 
Now, this is going to be a nighttime race that you can catch on USA or on Peacock, which is an awesome, awesome streaming platform, I might add. So I will go with my picks for that, and then I'll let Nathan chime in. My definitive, uh, absolute winner for that race, um, you know, I'm going to be a little bit unoriginal here, Scott Dixon. Uh, I think he's just on a roll right now, and if there's one way to kind of demoralize the IndyCar field, it's to get a victory. And he did so in 2020. I'm looking for him to do the same thing this year. But if he doesn't come through and I have to have come up with the dark horse pick, this one's pretty tough, but I'm going to go with Pato Award. He desperately needs a victory. He's seventh in points, 53 points behind. Doesn't sound like a lot, but with only three races left, realistically, I think, you know, Arrow McLaren SP Racing has been pretty solid on the ovals this year. If he doesn't do well at this one, then I'm afraid, folks, that Pato fans have to wait till next year. But if he wins this weekend, boy, oh, Portland and uh, Laguna Seca are going to be pretty fun. But what do you think, Nathan? Yeah, so for my um, for my pick for the race, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. Um, in the Iowa doubleheader, obviously, he, he had the car to beat in both races. Um, won the first race, obviously crashed in the second race, and then had um, his medical issue, which fortunately he is doing better now from. But um, he, ha- he had oval speed recently, so I'm going to go with him to win the race. And then for my dark horse, I'm going to go with Mr. Seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, his last crack mm-hmm. at an oval this year. Um, also performed well at Iowa, seemingly gotten better and better on ovals this year, so I think he should take another Another step in the right direction. I think we can maybe even see Jimmy Johnson battling for a win on Saturday night. So it should be fun to watch. I I love those picks right there. I mean, New Garden is not that far behind in the championship hunt. He's only 22 points behind. Uh, again, a victory would be super big for that Team Penske driver as he pursues another championship. And, of course, Jimmy Johnson, I mean, he has shown some great speed, some confidence on the ovals this year. I mean, I was super impressed with how he ran at Iowa altogether in both races. So, hey, if that happens, NASCAR Nation is going to be feeling pretty proud on Sunday afternoon. But let's actually head over to NASCAR land now and to Watkins Glen, of course. That is Nathan's home track. Um, and he can probably tell you more about the stats of that racetrack more than me. But I can tell you for a fact that this is one of the best racetracks in all of NASCAR, um, bar none. It is a classic road course, of course, at 2.45 miles in length. In terms of the one with the inner loop chicane or the bus stop, if you call it, uh, it is eight turns in, in terms of challenges. And of course, we've got two distinct straightaways. I would even argue that there's a third straightaway. But uh, honestly, it is one of the coolest racetracks in NASCAR, now last year, of course, in terms of the major races, in the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs won that one. And then in the Cup Series, Kyle Larson, on his way to his dominant championship season, won at Watkins Glen. And really, I think that was the race that pretty much solidified him as a true road course warrior in 2021. And then, of course, last year when the Truck Series did race there, unfortunately, they're not going to be there this year, which is kind of a shame. Austin Hill won that truck race. Um, If I remember correctly, that was a race that ended prematurely because of a lightning situation, unfortunately. I remember that, unfortunately, because it was a good truck race, and uh, we're not going to see it this year. It's such a shame because trucks and road courses go together so darn well. NASCAR folks, please put the put Watkins Glen back 
on the truck series schedule. But anyways, let's hear from Nathan, of course. I know I forgot ARCA, but honestly, it's not our specialty. But uh, anyways, Nathan, tell us who our winning pick and dark horse picks are for each of these races, including ARCA. Yeah, I'll I'll just give I'll I'll just give you uh, a winning pick for Arca. I won't go into an underdog pick, but um, <laughs> lately I, I really like Taylor Gray a lot. I think um, I, I I think people underrate him, uh, but because he's he's had a really great Arca season. He has three Arca main wins and Arca East win. I think he, he's only seventeen years old. He's not even eligible to win, or excuse me, he's not even eligible to run on all these big tracks yet. So. I I think people kind of downplay his value because I, I he's having a really great season. I think he's certainly worthy of a truck series ride next year. Uh, he won, he won the last road course on the ARCA schedule. So I'll go with Taylor Gray to go sweep the ARCA road courses this season, or at least the ARCA main series road courses this year. Um, Xfinity series, man, that's tough. There's so many different people in that race that could win. Um, I am going to go with AJ Allmendinger. Uh, of course, the 2014 Cup Series winner there. Um, he's won three out of four road courses this year in the Xfinity Series. So, going to have to roll with that him, for him to keep up his good streak, though. Colleague has struggled there in the past. So, we'll kind of see uh, what kind of piece he has there in, in that race for my underdog pick. Oh, man. Uh, you know, for my underdog pick, I'm going to go with Myatt Snyder. You know, he's... Uh, a really good road course racer. I'll, I'll go with two, Mike Snyder and Kaz Growler. They're both really good road course racers that nobody really talks about. Nobody gives them enough love on road courses. Uh, I'll go with both of them to have really good runs. Of course, Mike Snyder in the 31 car for Jordan Anderson Racing and, and Kaz Growler in the 48 for Big Machine Racing. And then the Cup Series. And that's that one's going to be even tougher because, honestly, I feel like that there's probably close to 30 drivers that can win, this, win that race on Sunday. Um, but... Again, I'll kind of go with the trendy pick. I'll go with Chase Elliott to win the race. Um, it's tough to bet against a guy that has three consecutive top two finishes there. Um, knows that play so well. Um, probably should have won last, or yeah, probably should have won last year. I think he had the best car uh, of the last right. three years. So 18, 19, and 21. Obviously, didn't race her in 20, but um, yeah, he probably had a car better than he did in 18 and 19. And, and unfortunately, he, uh, he flat spotted his tires in the third stage and uh, had a pit and come back to the rear. And I think if he had a few more laps, he probably would have gotten Larson. He was, he was coming in quick. He was, he was laying down some wicked fast laps. So um, he's on a good streak for the most part this summer. I know the last couple of races haven't ended up the way he has wanted, but I'll, I'll go with Chase Elliott to win the cup series race. And then for my underdog pick, I'm going to go Ty Gibbs, obviously. Um, Kurt Busch is not in the car again this week. Um, like you mentioned with his concussion, not in the car this week, not in the car next week. Um, ties look more and more comfortable in, in the cup series car every single week, had a top 10 at Michigan um, was going in the right direction at Richmond before he blew an engine. So kind of unfortunate there, but um, you know, Ty won the Xfinity race last year. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll be in contention to win the Xfinity series race this year. Uh, and I think he put together another really solid run in, uh, in, in the cup series as well on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Gibbs has been really showing it in the Cup Series. I would even say he looks even more comfortable in a Cup car than he does in any other stock car. Um, and, of course, when you're a young driver climbing up your way to the racing ladder, the Cup Series is your ultimate destination. So it's no surprise that he's been built for that uh, series, to say the least. I can't forget, by the way, the ARCA winner last year was Corey Heim. 
that was a pretty shocking victory because I, I pegged Ty Gibbs for that race last year. But see, that goes to show that in ARCA uh, road courses, anything can happen. So let me give my picks now. And I say Nathan kind of read my mind on most of them, but I'm going to try to be a little bit different just to kind of give folks a, an alternate thoughts, if you will. So when you hear our show tomorrow or on Friday, rather, for today's ARCA race, there's a lot to look forward to. You know, you mentioned Taylor Gray in the number 17 ride. I'm going to say in this case, in terms of a definite favorite for Friday's ARCA race, I'm going to go a different direction here. I'm going to say Sammy Smith is going to be my pick. Why am I going to go with him? Totally out of the blue. But I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm super impressed with this kid. I know he probably is one of those drivers with a sponsorship connection, but he's really comfortable in an ARCA car and it's hard to gauge talent in ARCA because of the way it's kind of a spec series, but uh, I think he's a good driver overall, has a good head above his shoulders. Um, you know, certainly if he's coached the right way, he could certainly develop into a pretty formidable driver. So I'm going to go with him um, for the win. And for my dark horse pick, I'm going to go this one's, I don't want to call him a dark horse because Roger Cruz has been so good all season long, but seriously, this kid's so amazing. He, he's a, he is the American dream in my opinion to be a driver who was really good in iRacing to be discovered by Rev Racing and then run with it and make a name for himself during the pandemic when opportunities were so limited. Sponsors couldn't even be at the racetrack. I mean, this kid has been the epitome of resiliency, perseverance. I mean, he is exactly what I think someone in the NASCAR is looking for. If you're not looking for that vanilla type driver, Raj is cool. He's got a personality. And by the way, he can wheel a race car. So if, you know, um, you know, Sammy Smith can't get it done on Friday afternoon, I say Roger Carruth can get it done for number 16. But hopefully they kind of avoid some issues on pit stops, as we saw during mid-Ohio. That was heartbreaking to see the, the, the Red Racing boys get screwed <laughs> screw themselves over a little bit there. Now, as far as the Xfinity Series race is concerned, let's not forget that we've got William Byron and Kyle Larson in that race. And in the Road America, when Kyle Larson was in the uh, Hendrick car, number 17 ride. He almost won the thing before, you know, Ty Gibbs muscled him on that overtime restart. I'm kind of picturing a redux of that situation. So this time I'm going to roll, you know, reverse the roles here. I'm going to say Kyle Larson wins the race, but if he doesn't do so, then I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs as my dark horse pick. Sorry, AJ Elmendinger. I know you're the hot seat guest, but Let's head over to Sunday's race because you mentioned on the top of the show that there's seven different countries being represented in this race on Sunday, which is the most I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it's really, really cool. We can't forget that Kimi Raikkonen's in this race and it looked like his test session in the Action Express uh, prototype next-gen car went really, really well at, uh, in Virginia. So hopefully... He's learned some things because he's not going to have a lot of practice time in the uh, Project 91 car. But um, you want to hear my picks, of course, not my thoughts about Kimi Raikkonen's test and all of that. We're going to have a write-up about him, of course, uh, when Nathan's in that press conference. And I do challenge him and Sam Drace to make him smile. Make Kimi Raikkonen smile. I don't care who wins the race. But anyways, for my race-winning pick, 
I didn't pick him for the Xfinity race, but I'm going to make it up to him. I think AJ Allmendinger is going to win on Sunday. He's due a victory in the Cup Series for college racing. I know when you hear the interview later on in the hot seat, he even believed he could have been a contender for the Gateway race, which will probably have folks at home going, really, dude? You finished only 10th place, but he has some good points. And we know how well he runs in real courses. And honestly, if college racing is going to be looking to build that number 16 team, either into a trophy trophy hunting car or a full-time ride for someone else, Age Almendinger are doing well and winning that race is a good, good sales point for sure. Now, provisionally, I'm going to say provisionally, I'm going to have two dark horse picks. So Nathan, if you want to do the same thing too after this, you're more than welcome to. Provisionally, I'm going to go with Kimi Raikkonen as my dark horse pick because this guy can drive anything. Um, I know a lot of folks, Denny Hamlin questions if Kimi's going to be a factor at all, and maybe he won't. I don't know. But he's not a 2007 F1 world champion driver with <laughs> just because he just will this you know got lucky he's a good driver he's driven for different teams he has built programs to be very competitive and i think if he gets really acclimated in that number 91 car uh you know him and daring grab are going to do some great things on sunday but for my you know sort of genuine dark horse pick just because i don't want to screw myself over on this one i am gonna go with ooh, this one's tough can we call Tyler Reddick a dark horse pick? I suppose we should. But, uh, you know, he won his first two cup races on road courses. Road, at, uh, road America, rest in peace for now, uh, on the cup schedule. And, of course, Indianapolis, uh, the road course circuit. So the number 18 could be pretty, pretty good when it comes to Sunday's race. Now, in terms of where you can watch all of these races, folks, let me tell you. Uh, so that way here, you don't miss them after listening to our podcast. So as I mentioned on the top of the show, of course, the IndyCar race, uh, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 can be caught this Saturday, August 20, at 6 p.m. East Coast time on USA or Peacock for your streaming platform situation. As far as the ARCA race is concerned, that General Tires delivers 100 race it's going to be on at 6 p.m. East Coast time on FS1. And then moving right along to the Xfinity series. This race name is a little bit shorter for me to say, thankfully, because last year's race was a kind of an interesting one to say. Um, you know, it's I think it's the Sunoco Performance 200, or Sunoco Go, Go Rewards 200, rather. That race will be at 3 p.m. East Coast time on Saturday, August 20, on USA. And of course, the Go Bowling at the Glen Cup race can be caught this Sunday, August 21, 3 p.m. East Coast time on USA. And yes, that race will be held the day before my sister's very special birthday. I will not say how old she's becoming because she will kill me if I tell you guys and girls on the airways. So I'm just going to say she turns 20 years old. And I'm still somehow your younger brother. But happy birthday, Tess. We love you and uh, hope you have a special one. But anyways, folks. That's the races, the race picks rather. Who are you picking for these races? Let us know. Tweet to me at Rob Tiongson. Tweet to Nathan at nsolly02 or to our TPF account at the podium finish. And if, you know, your pick wins, I will send you a diecast car from spoilerdiecast.com. So get to it, folks. I want to hear from all of you. And right now, let us all get into the hot seat because AJ Allmendinger's got that TPF race car fired up for us.
Now, this week's interview is pretty fun because, like I said earlier on the show, this took place during New Hampshire Race Weekend when AJ literally landed uh, in Manchester and was driving over to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Now, I'm pretty sure he was doing it hands-free, of course, so don't worry, folks. I didn't endanger AJ, but it's a pretty cool interview. As you may know from my content on TPF, AJ and I can tend to chat for quite a while. So this one's a bit of a long interview, but it's a fun one because AJ kind of talks about his season, why he thinks, you know, him and his number 16 team have a lot of work to do still, despite being the points leader heading into this race weekend. But he talks about, you know, how he overcomes a lot of obstacles, his support system. And it's pretty cool because we even delve into the next gen car and kind of about the opinions from you fans at home um, and how to balance out feedback from fans with drivers and just all kinds of things. It's pretty cool because it comes, it, it goes from an interview to a conversation. So without further ado, folks, sit back, relax, grab a beverage, get your snacks on because it's in the hot seat with AJ Allmendinger right now. Well, first of all, AJ, thanks again for joining us here on the Podium Finish and the Podium Finish Live podcast. First of all, it's been a really terrific season for you in terms of the fact that you're leading the points. You've got your wins at Coda here in Austin, along with Portland and those 15 top 10 finishes. I know you want a little bit more speed out of your car, but what's it been like to have this incredible consistent run as we're heading into the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just been what we, what we've had to do uh at times not very flashy or spectacular you know we're working hard at college racing uh a lot to to try to find the speed in our race cars it's uh it's easier said than done and we know that we're we're a little bit off but all the men and women are working hard we just you know it it's it's one of those things it'd be so much it'd be easier if you knew which area to look in or maybe where you were lacking speed or maybe just a certain type of racetrack. But, you know, as a whole, I think we're just a bit behind and, and we're having to do what we have to do to make sure we maximize each weekend and, and try to score the most points possible. So that's something that, you know, going into the year, even before knowing that maybe we're a little bit off, I just try to have the mindset of, of be aggressive when you have to be, but really just especially – early in the first half of the season, just try to maximize everything that you can get. And, you know, we've, I feel like we've done that for the most part. You know, the one race at Charlotte, we had a, a tire go down and, and get in the wall, and that's what cost us the top ten there. And then Nashville was kind of one of those things where I felt like we could finish probably fifth to eighth-ish, right around there, depending on how long the run was and and we made a decision to go on an alternate strategy that if it paid off i thought might actually win the race and it it didn't so that's kind of where our our two non-top 10 finishes have come from but you know at the end of the day we know we need to be a little bit better and that's what we're trying to do before the playoffs start absolutely and i know that you're very resourceful you're very resilient when it comes to extracting the most out of your cars and also having a good relationship with the crew chiefs you've worked with over your career, and I know this year you're working with Bruce Schlickler this year, so what's it been like to work with him to develop this rapport and feedback to know that he is getting the car to your liking during these race weekends? Yeah, I really enjoy working with Bruce, and that's, you know, one of the many great things about college racing is 
you know, even at the shop over the last couple of years when he was working with Ross and, and working with Jeb, you know, we talk a lot. And, you know, that was – so it wasn't going into this year of, oh, man, I've never even worked with Bruce. You know, I, I hope early on we don't struggle or we have to kind of learn each other's language. You know, I feel like we had enough of a, a relationship over that past couple of years of, of just being at the shop and talking over – the race weekends together, that it was kind of a, a seamless transition, and, and it felt like that. Bruce is really smart. Uh, his work ethic is, is very high, and it's it's been great. And I feel like, you know, he's just like myself on the racetrack. His race calls during, during the race, I mean, we're maximizing what we can do. And, you know, I think, you know, as a whole, we're, we're working hard to clean up the areas that we need to be better in and, uh, but that's what's great about Bruce is, you know, I, I can be frustrated on the radio and this and that, and and he kind of rolls with it and, and just knows that we're all in it together. And that's that's what makes it a lot of fun and a little bit easier when you're, you're struggling or maybe not as happy about your performances. No matter how frustrated during the race, you know, we both can be or anything like that, or more importantly, probably me being frustrated – you know, we get in the the hall right after the race, and we talk about it, and and it's we move forward. So it's it's been great working with Bruce, and I I really think it only gets better as the year goes on. It sounds like he's like the great partner you've been wanting to have um, over at Colleague. Not that the other ones have not been, but it's good to have somebody who can hear you out when you're having a bad race or a bad day, or when you're doing well. He can celebrate those moments with you. So. I think that's really pivotal, having those people relationships uh, skills, and it goes both ways. And I think that's what makes you and this combination of colleagues so successful, along with the fact that, uh, you know, the energy exuberated by, you know, Matt Collig and Chris Rice certainly matches on your pace as well. And, and I think that probably was key to my next question here, how you were able to do the cross-country trip last month where you raced in one at Portland, and then you flew to Madison, Illinois, for the cup race at Gateway, which I don't know how you did it. That's insane. But <laughs> how was the experience like for you to go cross-country and have those double-duty efforts and then get the top 10 at, at Gateway to top it off? Well, winning the race on, on Saturday really helps that, that cross-country visit. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I think Matt and Chris have probably felt the same way, if not worse, honestly. About halfway through that race, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be such a long flight. Uh Tomorrow's going to be rough. Like, it was, as I'd driven off the racetrack for the fourth time at Portland, I was really dreading the uh, the trip that was going to be. But, you know, that's what uh, I love about Matt and Chris and, and really respect. And more than anything, is thankful for, for both of them because they know how I am. They know that I care and, and I'm hard, super hard on myself and I take it to heart if I'm making mistakes and uh, and, and that's what's after a race, good or bad, they let me kind of get, get over it. And then we don't really talk about it and we move forward. And, uh, just fortunately enough, that race turned around and we were able to win. And I didn't really know what to expect on Sunday. Uh, at that point, uh, the, the 16 cup guys had been working hard because I had to fix a, a damaged race car from a practice wreck, uh, with Ben Rhodes and, Never seen the racetrack. I was studying, watching every practice, watching qualifying, trying to figure out what I could learn. Texting uh, Justin Haley constantly about what he was feeling. So went in the race and was 
man, if we could get a top 20 out of this, that'd be great. And as the race went on, the crew chief, Matt, and, and just the whole team really started getting a feel for the racetrack. And our car was crazy fast at the end of the race. I felt like if we could have just got a little bit more track position, maybe not a winning car, but I actually really thought we could run top five. So to finish 10th there was was a great weekend, and, and um, you know, it, it really helps when you fly on Matt's really nice plane from Portland to, to St. Louis. That makes the trip a little easier when you're all sitting on there and, and enjoying a, a nice nice uh, plane ride with, with drinks and stuff like that. So it was uh, – it was it was a fun trip for sure, and it was a great weekend to to win the the Saturday race and finish tenth in the Cup race. Man, you know it, it sounds like you had a really good travel, and uh, certainly beats traveling commercial and having to be at an airport and then you know getting your carry on in in suitcase and all that. So I'd say that helped a little bit, but man, that was awesome to watch you go from the back of the field and get that top ten finish. That was one of the storylines we were following that weekend, and I was really impressed by that just because I was like, how is AJ going to handle a track he's never raced at, a car that he didn't get to practice, and you just look so comfortable out there in the latter half of that race. So that was, you know, people talk about your wins at Coda and Portland in Xfinity. I think that's been your most impressive race so far this year. But, um, you know, there's a lot more racing to be had, of course, as 2022 progresses. And speaking of, the cup side of things, you know, you've got experiences racing in that next-gen car now at a variety of racetracks. From your perspective, how does it compare to the car of tomorrow and the Gen 6 car? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, outright. To me, it's a really fun race car to drive. It's That's something that I've enjoyed probably more than I expected. Uh, I thought on the road courses it'd be a lot of fun. The ovals, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, but, you know, just going out there and running practice laps and, and qualifying, things like that, it, it's uh, it's actually a fun car. It's really rigid, uh, so it's, your reflex has got to be quick. We've seen a lot of uh, guys spinning out, things like that. Um, so it's it's definitely interesting to drive, and, and I've enjoyed it with the bigger brakes, the sequential gearbox, things like that. Um, just it reacts quicker. It kind of feels more like a sports car, so uh, I think that's probably the reason why i enjoy it the racing's kind of it's interesting the the racetracks that i thought it would struggle on it actually puts on really good shows and then certain racetracks where you think it actually be pretty good it doesn't it hadn't been the best racing so it can be frustrating at times racing because it's really aero sensitive i think that's something that i'm sure nascar and, and they've been i've you know been seeing the aero tests at like martinsville and stuff like that and and just trying to get different aero packages on the car to, to maybe help uh, just the, the dirty air side of it, because that is really frustrating at times, just how tight your car can get or how loose your car can get behind somebody. Um, it's hard to fall really close at, at some of these racetracks. So I think that's some of it, maybe some gearing things where maybe we're not shifting as much, because I think that that uh, allows to make a mistake, and you downshift, and you kind of get up in that RPM range, and, and you're able to, to not get past so I think that's why sometimes we see passing uh, at the short tracks, maybe not as much because we can downshift and, and keep that RPM up. So, But, you know, that's something that's always first-year car you're going to have to figure out. It's not going to be perfect everywhere. So um, as a whole, I think it's been pretty good racing-wise, and we've seen some really good races and, you know, some that we definitely can improve. You bring up a good point about the shifting aspect because I think that's one of the biggest changes really for the, the Cup Series that, 
it's kind of a strange situation to see you guys shifting at a place like a Martinsville or, you know, a gateway. I think you guys are doing that on the back straightaway. And I'm pretty sure New Hampshire, I mean, I'm no race car driver, so don't hold me to it. But I would imagine that there's going to be a lot of shifting as well compared to years past. But, you know, do you, is that something do you think that needs to be looked into from a driver's standpoint? Is that a concern or is it just a, a way of life that everybody has to get used to? Um, you know, it's, I, that's a good question. I mean, it's, I don't, I think we could maybe lengthen the gears a little bit or stretch the gears out so the drop off is, is more and, and maybe you don't have to, you don't downshift as much or, or you make it so top gear is, is used more. Because I, I do, like I said, I, I think that that, at Martinsville, it was so hard to pass guys because, you were, everybody was downshifting and, and the RPM range was so high, so you'd throttle up and, and you'd have good launch off the corner whether you made, made a mistake or you ran a perfect corner. Um, and, and other racetracks have been like that. But, you know, with that said, we've also been to racetracks that you're shifting gateway, I thought, put on great racing, and you were shifting twice in one corner there. So I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, and far for me to, to even – request things because i have uh it's that's past my pay grade so we drive what they give us but you know i think there's on a, on a brand new car you can look at every area of the race car and say what's good about it and what's bad about it and, and how we can improve well at least i didn't say oh i don't like the side of the car numbers thing like most fans are saying so at least i'm not criticizing that aspect because oh my goodness that was uh that was something else. But, no, you bring up some good points about uh, the shifting part. And I'm just curious because I've never really asked that question yet with other drivers. So curious to see how your competitors feel about that. Actually, let's speak about the fans' opinions because, you know, they're passionate about anything when it comes to life. But especially with racing, you know, how should the industry try to balance these takes from fans when they are suggesting ways to improve the product but also going, you know what, we probably don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction to what they're suggesting with changing the sports. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good question, Rob. I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I mean, when I say this, I mean it, it, the fans make our sport. Without fans caring or being passionate or coming to the racetrack or watching on TV, we don't have to worry about it because we wouldn't have a sport. So yeah. the opinion does matter. But with that said, we we just like to bitch sometimes just to to do it. Like it's that that's the nature I feel like of, of not NASCAR racing, but just the world in general is, you know, we, we want to complain about something and believe me, it's easy to complain about something when you don't have a solution. And I think that's where we always have to, 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 you know, you got to be on, on that, the right edge there of you can all, you, everybody's got an opinion. You can like or dislike somebody, someone, something, and that's fine, but you know, especially when it comes to trying to solve a problem, you got to have a solution that goes with it. So it's easy to say, "Well, I don't like that." Okay, well, how do you fix it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's great. That doesn't help us. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's we always got to take it in consideration, and that it's it's that's always going to be part of it. So it's very important to listen to the fans, but I think it's also important to listen to the drivers, the ones that have to drive the race cars. It's also important to listen to sponsors and the TV side of it and the, the track promoters. 
because, you know, it all blends together. So it's not an easy call, and it's got to be challenging sometimes. You know, just like I love people saying, man, they should move Indy back to the Oval. We lost that tradition, which I don't completely disagree with. But the last time I was at the Oval Indy, there was like 10,000 people there. So if you want to move back, then you should have went there in the first place. So, right, like, it's always a fine line. So, you know, I mean, it. but the fans make our sport, so you always need to make sure that you listen to them and, and you take their opinions in and and kind of at least get a get a feel of what they want. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a balancing act with them just because, you know, like you said, if they can argue their point with a suggestion or a pretty – definitive solution to things and yeah maybe there's some credence to things but if you're just going to say well you know i don't like indianapolis's road course they go back you should go back to the oval like you said come back to the racetrack in the first place there should have been fans prior to this the switch last year so you know it's it's something i've been realizing a lot as a journalist and even as a person in my older years how people react really quickly but don't have uh, a solution to things so it's always a fascinating thing as a human being, to see the least. Um, now, we're also in the midst of a paradigm shift with these racing fans. Like, when you were starting off in around 2006, 2007, I would probably venture to say that most of the fans were traditional car lovers. They were like, oh, I love Ford, you know, Taurus or Ford, whatever car it was during the time. And uh, now you have these fans who are millennials who are so focused on personalities more than the actual aspects to racing. Again, it's kind of a balancing act question, but for you, because you're, you you do appeal to both sides of this fence, how do you satisfy these fans? Do we try to help these younger fans understand, hey, these cars are pretty fascinating just as we are as people? Yeah, I mean, I guess I hadn't hadn't thought about that, really. It's more... I I think the the best thing, and this isn't easy, but it's appealing to getting the opinions of what the fans want and trying to try to do the best possible way to, to try to make all that happen. You know, I think, you know, with these cars of, of trying to make them look like the car that's on the road and there's, you know, there's parts of the fans that, you know, and I would say probably more of the older fans, but that was part of the selling point was, you know, back in the old days, what they were racing was what you were driving on the road. It's not as not as close to that anymore. Um, you know, for maybe younger fans, I think all, a lot of us actually, our attention span is so short now that you need maybe shorter races or you just need things at the racetrack. So if you get into the racetrack, there's always something going on. Uh, you know, like... This weekend in New Hampshire, this is always, to me, one of the selling points of New Hampshire is, man, if you love racing, even if it's not outright NASCAR racing, there's racing basically from almost the morning you wake up when the sun comes up to night. They have some sort of racing going on, whether it's Xfinity or Modifieds or, you know, they they had uh, different stock car series here, um, you know, the cup races, so... Just things like that 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 just appeal to everybody to either want to watch or or be at the racetrack and and have something to do. That's so true about New Hampshire, and I I really miss that about that place. There's there's so much to do around there, and not to mention the, the the stuff that's outside of the racetrack, but in the fan zone that I think helps them out 
But at least I'm not asking you to do a Boston accent for me because I know you probably have been asked to do that or named as towns in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and I will not test you on that because, honestly, this is not a geography type of interview I'm going to do today with you. <laughs> Unless you yeah, want to do a Boston we, accent. No. No, I don't. <laughs> no. That's fair. Uh, it's, it's exaggerated anyways. We're going to shift gears here for my final few questions here, just to kind of make things a little bit fun. Let's start off with this one. Like me, you are a child of the 1980s, although I'm kind of more in the mid-80s or the early 80s. Were there any game shows, especially on Nickelodeon, that you wanted to be on during that time period? Uh, What was it? Double Dare? Double Dare was on, yeah. Yeah, that one. With the slime and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that, that was... Yeah. I would have ventured you for more of Guts or Legends of the Hidden Temple. No, I didn't like Legends of the Hidden Temple. No, I didn't like that. Uh, I've never been, I've never been, you know, the Indiana Jones or anything like, I've never been into that. Um, but yeah, Double Dare was, was it. That was, that was the one. Or as a, uh, as, you know, a regular game show, uh, I always liked Pressure Luck, them stupid whammies. Oh, my God. You finally. Yeah, go ahead. But, you know, I should have studied more like that one guy where he cheated the show. And he had had the whole, uh, you know, rhythm of how it happened. So, but, yeah, the whammies, those things. Oh, my God. You're the first driver to actually say Pressure Luck, and I've been asking that question for five years. I feel like I can retire that question because – that was the answer I've been looking for. I love that game show, and um, that trick does work. It's crazy, but uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to live long with, with the money and he lost it. But yeah, I would have been on that. Would have wanted to be on that show. I think it's still on actually today. So maybe I think there, so too. Yeah. There should be there should be a race car edition of that, and uh, I will I will you know <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? I will I will uh, advocate for you on that. That's the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> I don't know how, how they make that happen, but we'll figure it out. Now, we know that you're a great race car driver. You've been proven to be a great analyst for NBC. And you're an awesome husband, of course, to Tara, and a wonderful pet parent to Mr. Tickles and Zena. But what is a hidden talent of yours that most folks would not know about? Oh, hidden talent? I don't know. I'm pretty simple, Rob. I, I, I go to the <laughs> racetrack and... I go to the golf course, and I would like to say golf course is a hidden talent right now, but the way I've been playing, <laughs> not so much. So, um, man, I, uh, I as bad as it sounds, I don't actually have a great answer for you. You maybe maybe ask Tara. I don't know because I it's people think that I'm adrenaline junkie or thing like. No, I just I I go to the racetrack. I go to the golf course. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually have anything for you there. That's all right. I'll, I, I don't play. Ask. I don't play any instruments. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't really do anything. I'm. I'm quite boring. Besides, well, I'm just boring actually. <laughs> nah, but um, I. You know, it's fair. I mean, most folks would think racing is a pretty hidden talent on its own, even though it's a. It's what you do. You do a really good job at. I I wouldn't know the first thing to do. I would probably sit on pit road. So um, that's a that's a remarkable feat on its own. My final two questions. Well, my 
But penultimate question, that's a big word right there. Penultimate question would be, you know, I recently just got a dog. Her name is Amelia, or M. And, of course, I have a cat. You know, her name's Claudia. And I know you've got a dog named Zena, and, of course, have Mr. Tickle. How has it been like to raise both of them, and was it a challenge for those two to get along with each other? So I was nervous because Tickles, that was, it's his house, and, and when we decided to get Zena, I had fears of coming home and Sarah crying because the, the cat has tried to kill the dog, and there's, you know, fur everywhere, and, you know, so stuff like that. So I was, I was quite nervous because he's a cat, and Mr. Tickles, you know, he, he can be a little ornery, and they actually get along really well. So that was that was a, a positive. It, it, he warmed up to her pretty quick, and um, all, only took a couple of swaps to the face where she learned, okay, don't get in his face. So, and you know, I love I love Zena. She's uh she's the greatest dog ever, and she she's crazy. French bulldogs, as uh, as Tara has shown me uh, many of videos <laughs> of French bulldogs, they're all a little crazy, uh, but she's fantastic. So I enjoy it. Well, lucky for you, because I want my two pets to get along with each other. I love my my pup. She's a uh, a, a black mouth cur or southern cur, like the same dog from Old Yeller. And, of course, yep. my cat, Claudia, is this black cat. I don't really know her breed. Both of them love me, but they can never be in the same place. And it's just like, you know, if you two could get along with each other, maybe there will be world peace and, it, and finally at last. I don't know. It's just like such a exercise and futility at times for me. So if you after this interview, if you have any tips for me, please share them because I I am so exasperated on beyond words to figure out how to make that work. But um keep their food keep their food bowl separate. It makes it easy. Yeah, that's gonna be my game plan, especially as we're moving to a new house. So that will be the first game plan I'll have so that they both equally mark their territory. I hope. We'll see. <laughs> for my last question um, and I'm really enjoying this interview with you, by the way. So thanks so much for making my Friday really awesome. But, um, you know, bringing it back to the on-track action, I don't mean to make the last question about racing, but I will. You know, in this particular part of your racing career, you're, you're having a really awesome chapter as you're riding. You know, you're, you've got this great comeback story. You're showcasing that, hey, I can race against these young guys. I know my work. I'm very competitive. I am part of this great team at Call Racing. How much would it mean for you to win the Xfinity Championship? Meeting, you know, how, how much would it mean to you, given your remarkable story, how much you've overcome, and just in general, not so much to validate your career, but just to even be a champion in the sport? Yeah, I mean, it would. It, it's what we all strive for to to be called a champion, um, and that's that's at the end of the year the ultimate goal. I do believe that the way the NASCAR championships work now, it it is a little bit more challenging because it is based on one race. Obviously, it takes a few races to get there during the during the playoffs, and you have to be on. But at the end of the day, it comes down to four drivers and and one race. And off that race, no matter how great your year's been, it, it's you don't win the championship. So, to me, the championship is always the ultimate goal. But, you know, as I said last year, I would never have changed my year to win the championship with, you know, like 
I perfect example, and, and I, you know, Daniel and I talk about this all the time. Is you know, I have Daniel's year where he ran up front, won so many stages, but just uh, really it was bad luck because it was it had nothing to do with him in most of the races last year. He could have easily had four or five wins, but you know, not to have won a race until the championship race, which is amazing. Like, of course, what, what a what a way to hit a knockoff home run there. You know, walk out of uh, of the place with the championship, which, of course, if you could guarantee that at the end of the year, I'd, I'd I would take it. But I would never have changed my year last year to have what happened to Daniel at the end of the year to win one race. You know, but so it's all about the process a little bit with with the way the year goes. But yeah, at the end of the day, to be called a champion, you, you can't have that taken away from you. So I'd love to be able to do that, but. You know what that said, Rob? It's I'm at a place where, and I actually had to do this on Sunday after uh, after last week. You know, an okay run at Atlanta, led some laps, but finished tenth. Still frustrated after the race, and you know, Sunday I walk up into my upstairs, and that's where all the trophies are, and I haven't got a, a, a trophy case for for the trophies that we've won. I didn't expect that to get another trophy case, and that's the biggest thing. Tara's like, we got to get another trophy case, maybe two. It's a good problem to have. And I never expected that when uh, I thought I was walking away from full-time racing in 2018 to have 11 or 12 trophies now sitting on the floor of the last four years with Collar Racing. So, yeah, championship would be amazing to have, and I, I would love to be able to, to have that on, on my resume. But everything right now is, has been – such a bonus than what I ever expected that, you know, if it didn't happen, it's, I'm okay with that. It's, it's not life changing and everything is just a bonus to, to this point now. And that's really inspirational to hear. And I think just the fact that what you've accomplished in the last 15, 10 to 15 years has been so remarkable to be this young brass driver in, in open wheels, winning races and now being this competitive really inspirational stock car driver and just in general a really good human being i think that's living life my friend and uh you know just off the record i i'm really like inspired by what you do and that's what keeps me competitive as a journalist i know i keep saying that to you in pre previous interviews but seriously people like you are what keeps me fueled to be in the sport so i wanted to let you know that if that means anything well i appreciate that man and uh you know hopefully we still got some years to come right Oh, absolutely! I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll still be doing this even when you, you have way more years. You have way more years to come than I do, but yeah. Well, yeah, I'm actually only four years younger than you, believe it or not. Yeah, but you know, I don't. You, you could probably do, you know, heck, who knows? Maybe we'll see how long I do this for. You never know. Well, as long as I'm in it, you've got to keep racing. That's I'm not going to promise that deal to you because that will. I'm not. I'm not going to get go away. Poppers will probably be gone by that point, but I will be the new. Yeah. I, I will change Bob and make it the Rob that everyone's going to respect in that media center. There, but there you go. But uh, listen, my friend, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know we always have these great conversations. And do uh, you want to say anything else to the fans before wrapping up? No, Rob. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and and uh, always enjoy doing these, and and hopefully. Uh, you know, the fans know my appreciation for, for them allowing us to do all this, and, you know, we'll, we'll go keep doing it.
Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed my interview today with AJ Allmendinger. Uh, the the Q&A version of that will be in two parts because it's such an extensive interview. But I hope you folks will check it out on thepodiumfinish.net in the coming days. And of course, Nathan's got a bunch of excellent stuff coming up on TPF. I'm super excited for that just because uh, there is nothing like getting on-track content. And I'll let him talk about what he's got in the pipeline here very shortly. But before we wrap up the show, of course, again, I want to thank all of our listeners for being so understanding and our fans as well. Um, I never like to pause the podcast. I, I made it a goal to do it every week, but you know, I had some extenuating circumstances with the passing of my uncle. And again, this show, anything on TPF, we're going to dedicate to my uncle Perry and to my family as well. And uh, yeah, it, is, it was not easy to process. Still isn't easy, but I don't want to say life goes on, but you know, certainly have to keep the best not so much best face, but you have to just keep on keeping along, I suppose. And uh, you can't forget those you've lost by living the best life you can. So that's what I'm going to do here from moving on out. But on the TPF side for content, uh, you know, I had the Paddle Award interview that I just shared with you folks. The Q&A version will be coming out um, in the next week or two. Simon Paginaw as well, which I'm super excited for. AJ Elmendinger, of course. And then I'm hopefully hearing back from Ryan Blaney's camp because, of course, he got that contract extension. You know, Ryan Blaney's got some really good opinions, of course. So if you enjoyed the Joey Logano interview uh, from last month, then you'll enjoy uh, the Jedi Knight talking about his life in the fast lane, if you will. But Nathan, I know you are getting ready for Watkins Glen. I know it's your last race weekend of the year, but don't worry, plenty more races next year. What do you have on the pipeline for the folks at home? Yeah, for sure. I don't want to give too much away, of course. You know, I don't want to be don't want to be too much of a spoiler. I definitely have uh, some interviews with my favorite series to to into interviews for the Xfinity series. So I'm not again not going to give any away. You'll have to uh, check them out as as they come out here on the podcast and in written version. Um, and of course, uh, bullpen content as per usual, um, press conference stuff. So. Uh, a lot of the usual track stuff. You have to make sure you follow my Twitter at nsolid02, uh, my YouTube channel, Nate Solomon, for a bunch of interviews, a bunch of, you know, random clips and everything from Watkins event weekend. So uh, that's a lot, of a lot of my content, my, like, of, like, I don't know, like, I, like more up-to-date, not up-to-date, but, like, you know, real-time, I guess that's the best way to put it, like, more real-time content um, on there. So be sure to check those, those two places out because, uh, I'll I'll plenty of content all weekend and uh gotta also gotta get stocked up on content now for uh for the fall since I won't be in the won't be at the track for a while. So uh excited. Three three great days at, at the Glen. So should be good. Just make the most of it. It's kind of like the last three days of school. I know I don't want to bring that up for you because you're like, oh man, school's coming up and it's junior year for you. But uh hey man, that's gonna be fun uh, when you get to walk in Glen. And certainly I'll be chipping in as well. Hopefully you'll get a few words in with Kimmy Raikkonen. That's the one piece I'm going to spoil because, of course, we can't get through this weekend without talking about Kimmy. So I am super pumped to write about him. And in a context that we're actually there, I mean, not me personally, but you are going to be there. Sam's going to be there. Um, so that's going to be fun. And hopefully you get to meet Brianna at the racetrack because uh, I know you guys have been like ships sailing at the night. And just haven't had the chance to meet each other. And she's been asking about getting to meet you and Sam. So I'm going to try to make that happen for y'all. 
And speaking of, why am I bringing up Brianna? Because not besides the fact that she's my best friend and all, like Leslie Nope and uh, Ann Perkins. Well, she's going to be on our next show, episode number 43, not as a hot seat interview, but as our co-host. So super, super cool about that. Uh, to have Brianna's perspectives in a sort of real-time environment here. So we'll have her around. And really, for Watkins Glen, I mean, we just got to get through Friday, and then boom, it's going to be, well, for you, you're already at the racetrack. For me, I'm just thinking, got to get through Friday, and it's all fun and games for me this weekend. So can't, can't wait. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be at the racetrack, so can't, I, I, I keep saying, can't, I keep saying it, but I can't wait. I'm so flustered and happy about Watkins Glen Raceway weekend. And of course, we also have Daytona coming up too afterwards, where Blake Lino will be our photographer on site. And let me just say, folks, if you've been checking out our to um, TPF social media's account and our posters, give Blake a follow. He's a hell of a designer and uh, he does a great, great job in terms of our content. And I'm sure he's got some cool stuff lining up for us as we get ready for the playoffs. So a little bit of a spoiler right there. But look, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast because I know I did. It's good to be back. And uh, yeah, Nathan and I are really ready to get ready because we're only nine more episodes away from our one-year episode, which is crazy to think because that was a jam-packed episode. Me, you, and we had Alex Andrea, formerly of the Charlotte Observer, and Brianna O'Leary as well. And then Eric Jones with our hot seat interview. So maybe we we invite all, all of them back. We'll see. Well, I have to find out what Alex is up to these days. So if she's going to join us, that will be pretty cool. Uh, maybe we'll reenact the entire first episode. I don't know. But anyways, folks, I am so happy to be back. Nathan is too. Let's get to work this weekend, and then we'll get ready for episode number 43, the Petty edition of TPF Live. Ha ha ha. So folks, wish Nathan luck, and as well as Sam. I know they're going to crush it. And also to Eric Parks at Gateway for the IndyCar race. With that, folks, we are going to wrap up this episode. So for Nathan Solomon and for AJ Almendinger, I'm your host, Rob Tiongson, thanking you very much for tuning in to TPF Live, episode 42. As you know, TPF Live is the fastest hour of racing talk. Be sure to check out our previous content on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. And also check out SpoilerDieCast.com for the latest and greatest in diecast cars. And use promo code TPF to take advantage of a pretty cool discount. Until next time, folks, let's go get that checkered flag. And I will see you out there. So long, everyone.